We've all seen the incredible horse and rider combinations as the backbone of our sport. But what about everything else that makes the equestrian world tick? From the everyday grind to the world-class professional, join the Equestrian Podcast as we talk about every equestrian discipline in a way that hasn't been done before. Now here's your host, rider, trainer, and influencer behind my equestrian style, Bethany Lee. Hey friends, and welcome back to the Equestrian Podcast. I'm your host, Bethany Lee, and this is episode 319. Our guest today is originally from England, and he began his equestrian sports commentating in 2001. He grew up in the sport of show jumping as his mother was an international rider, and he has been successful at organizing shows as well. He has a really long list of events on his resume, including four Olympic Games, seven European Championships, two world championships, and over 100 World Cup qualifiers in over 10 years on the Longines Global Champions Tour. You know his voice. It is a staple everywhere, and especially this winter at WEF, uh, other shows in the U.S. and abroad. So without further ado, please welcome our guest today, Stephen Wilde. Hi, Stephen. Hi. Thank you so much for coming on. Pleasure. Anytime. I am so excited to hear a little bit about your life and how you got to where you are today. Um, But first, tell me how you first got started in the horse world. Uh, I actually grew up in it. My mother competed uh, through to what would be five-star level, I suppose, now. What were the big shows then? Back in the UK, Hickstead, Horse of the Year show, those type of things. Uh, She competed at Arkin back in the early 70s. Um, So I grew up with it. As simple as that really um, but I didn't didn't really ride much didn't enjoy riding so I found different routes of doing something else yeah definitely as that, really. yeah <laughs> at what point were you kind of like uh like riding's not for me and what was it that you weren't a big fan of or that you you know decided to kind um, of continue to look elsewhere it was sort of a bit of a bit of a family thing really um my parents didn't really want me to go into it too much in those days and yeah, I just, you know, fairly, fairly early on, they just said, you know, you should go and do everything else. I went off and did university and schools and played golf and did all that sorts of other things instead. Um, But my family still remained in the industry. So I sort of went out of it uh, for a little bit. And then I just sat on the periphery for quite a while. Uh, Got involved in some shows because dad was involved in running some shows back in the UK as was my mother. So I got stayed involved that way. And then then really just somebody said one day while I was getting involved, why don't you go and do some commentating? And I sort of went, okay, fine. Yeah. Uh, let's give it a go. And said to somebody, Can I have a have a spin at it? And they said, Yeah, they gave me a they gave me a champion a national championship show, the first thing I ever did. And that was that really. But no, I was I was very lucky. I grew up around all the, you know, I, people like David Broom and Harvey Smith and in their day. And then, of course, Nick Skelton into into their era when I was very young sort of stuff. And then obviously seeing Nick right the way through into the to the cycle, right the way through to the Olympics in, in 2016. So, yeah, it was it was a, a family trait. But I, 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 I preferred doing everything else. I loved the running of the shows bit. I loved the back end of that bit. I did not enjoy getting into the horse box at the crack of dawn in the dark mm-hmm. when it was cold and damp and all the other things like that. That's just never really wasn't my thing (laughs) yeah yeah definitely um yeah I was I was going to ask you what your you know like kind of memory of the first event that you commentated for tell me a little bit do you remember like were you like super nervous how did you prepare for it Um, did you prepare for it what was that like 
I did. I did the Winter Jumping Championships back in the UK. It was the National Championships. And I was lucky because my very old family friend also done the commentator for a long time. So he basically sat with me and literally held my hand all the way through and guided me through it. And then um, we did a gala evening. And actually the the guy I worked with, there was a guy called Mike Tucker, who was actually the BBC's Mm -hmm. commentator for Equestrian at the time. He's sadly not with us anymore, but he actually went on to be a great mentor of mine. And Mike, yeah, was just very good at, okay, well, you know, he'll help you along. He would give you enough space that you could do what you were comfortable with but would 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 help you along the way so I was very lucky I had a lot of people around me that were uh, excellent like that yeah but my first one I was definitely gosh I was nervous yes but I I was I think I was just going through one of those phases of let's just give something a go give uh-huh. it a go see what happens yeah. so probably probably not as terrified as I thought probably more nervous about thinking about it now probably at the time just <laughs> just trying to get on with it right because I wanted to do it so it wasn't like it was I didn't want to do it I wasn't nervous that way I was I was probably more excited and keen about it than being nervous mm-hmm. um but you always get nervous and, and I still get nervous now which is which is good I always say that's a good thing so if you're not getting nervous don't don't do it right um if you're not, I'm not saying I'd get nervous every week, but for the big stuff, you still definitely get nervous. Definitely. You've announced at so many top events, um, hmm. sometimes crossing over discipline. So how have you learned about, you know, yes. kind of like the nuances of riding in each discipline in order to, you know, kind of accurately report on what's going on in the ring? Uh, again, I think that's that's having spent time in it. I mean, uh, I mean, I did a lot of eventing. Um, commentary-wise, early in early in my career, so people sort of seem surprised when I go over and do eventing. But I mean, I'll do badminton for the BBC in a few weeks' time. I've done, you know, the eventing and dressage and all of it through to, through to the Olympics, of course. So I spent a lot of time around the disciplines. I did I did all lots of the national championships back in the UK when I was doing dressage as well. But in those days, it was people like Carl Hester and Charlotte Jardin. So. Mm-hmm. Um, so you you sort of grew up with them and, and you came along the way there. So I spent a lot of time with those sort of people, which was I was very lucky to. So it, it, I actually hit a really good era where people were able to educate me and I could learn from them to be able to cross-discipline. And people like Mike Tucker, I worked with a lot, as I say, who's, who was BBC, who was, if you went to the BBC like I do now for them, you have to be all three disciplines. Mm-hmm. Um, so you've just got to be across it. So as much as I do show jumping predominantly now, I mean, I did dressage, five-star dressage a couple of weeks ago here in Wellington. Um, and, you say, and then I'll go and do eventing in badminton. And actually, I'm off to Kentucky as well for the event there in a few weeks' time too. So I don't get to do the other disciplines probably as much, well, definitely not as much as I used to. But I, I, had, I was lucky I had a good grounding and I did, I did them literally from the, the amateur level up in the early part of my career. So it gave you a good grounding. Definitely. How, how do you collect all of your research and information? Like, do you have um, like a notebook going that you're like flipping through? What What is the kind of like preparation I've, I've, and collection I've, of research like? I'd love to say there's this really organized journal that I have everything in. <laughs> alphabetically and, you know, organized, it's, yep. <laughs> and it's alphabetically organized, it's all color-coded. Right. I think that would be lying. A lot I carry in my head, but I... I I like to each, I do have some notes on my computer. Uh, I do have historical notes I've kept up on my computer. Um, But I also like to before each event to just go back over everything. 
So I think, you know, I'm always trying to look for something new. So as much as you have the historical stuff, you know, and so-and-so was Olympic champion in whatever year, all that sort of jazz. Um, I would rather do it a little bit like, I mean, I did some stuff in, in racing at one point. And again, they're very much on the form at the time. So you've got to go back and, and really pull it out and try and think about your audience as well of who's watching that broadcast of who you're trying to pitch to. So a BBC broadcast is very different to, mm. because you've got general, just the general public watching, as opposed to say doing a, a very much a, a horse show live stream that you know your whole audience, 99% of it is going to be people that are in the industry and probably riding at the event. So you're trying to look for something different from that point of view. Um, I can tell you, I'm getting ready for, Rolex week here in Wellington so there are notes all over my desk at the moment of different things everything from who the past winners are to who might do well this week and just before I came on this I was reading through the the start the the, the entries for this week as well so I, I sort of go I'd like to say it's it's a long process that I can just pick it up but actually um, it is a long process but it happens it's a lot more short-term cramming um, than you'd probably expect but then I'm, I'm around enough that most of it's there's a lot the historic stuff is a lot in my head in the first place as well I'm mm -hmm. a bit of a boring encyclopedia I hope um, <laughs> I wish I was like I that <laughs> <laughs> it's so I feel like it's I worry so about, helpful worry about that, how far the, I go back now <laughs> yeah no the people that have that but we have a couple like that in in our program Jeffrey yeah. Hesslink being one of them. He is um, yeah. one of my team members and he's an absolute encyclopedia. Like he remembers what a like some, you know, any horse rider eight years ago at the Hampton classic in this class, like what score they got. And I'm like, mm. how the heck do you do that? But there's oh, so much I... little pieces of info to remember. And so I think for, for those, uh, for equestrians who have that, I feel like it's so helpful. Uh, it, it's unbelievable. Some of the, I mean, Steve Hadley, who I worked with um, at Global Tour and did quite a lot with, and he was the, the former BBC commentator as well for Equestrian, for jumping specifically. But Steve, I had conversations with, we were sitting in somewhere like Barcelona, and he'd say, oh yeah, in 92, so-and-so did this, there was a combination going across there, and it was four strides in, and it was this, and it was this, and it was this fence, and that horse had the middle part of the combination, and the other one, you know, um, had the last part, and it was just a bit you know, sticky coming out or something. Wow. I'm going, looking at him going, that was 92 and I'm talking to you in 2022. You remember <laughs> it like it was, I, I, I don't have that capacity. I would, I will go back and look at something and it would sure. jog my brain. Sure. Um, but uh, but I, I, I wouldn't, I would be lying if I could retain it, as you say, like Jeffrey did with that. I, I, oh, I, amazing. I'm, not, I'm not thinking that way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, from watching so much, I mean, you're probably up there with, with the with the few equestrians who I feel like watch so much like video and so much horse showing mm -hmm. to kind of you know see how they did see how others are doing looking for horses etc cetera, etc cetera. so from watching yeah. all of this um do you have favorite horse and rider pairings that you just like really enjoy watching I couldn't say that I tried to be, <laughs> I tried to be unbiased between my, you my and years me of doing... <laughs> British television. I mean, I, there there are certain ones at times, of course. And I, I, to be honest, most of the time, what I like is is the story around them. If there's a mm -hmm. good story around them, and and it's not always the, you know, they're always the the one on top. It, right. If it's one that I see that's gone well through the season and 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 really developed. I mean, the one uh, like Charlotte Jacobs this season. I like mm -hmm. seeing that pairing going because she's just got better and better with it, and really 
um, being strong with it. And, you know, and I love watching, you know, whether it's Kent or McLean or I mean, yeah. the watching BZ Madden at her best. I mean, that that's just a joy to watch. Yeah. But I like seeing the ones as well that you go, I, I think they've been going in the direction, right direction. I think they could do well here. You know, some of the some of the younger ones coming through. Um, you, you know, we watched a class at the, at the weekend. That you, again, you're watching a few others. You know, Lily Lily Keenan went well on that that eight year old horse mm-hmm. there, and you just go, that looks really nice. That's that's the bit I find interesting. Definitely um, is is not always the obvious, but of course you love watching. Um, I mean, we're lucky during Wellington. You know, most of those Grand Prix, I don't think there's a bad one amongst them. I know. Um, and you just just see everybody going full tilt at that point. Now I've been lucky enough to have seen that a lot through my career in a lot of different places, and and so there are a few that stand out. But I, I think I think for me the stories I, I did train going way back. I did did a lot of journalism, so for me it's about finding the story around it as opposed to just the obvious mm-hmm. the obvious winner. I mean, I you know I I obviously the days of. And and then we'll be back to those later in the year of, of Ben Mayer and Explosion from a personal point of view, having the accent I have, I obviously enjoyed that. Mm-hmm. Um, and I knew some of the background and some of the background, I knew a lot of the background story to that, how that all came about. And so saw that horse all the way through, saw Nick and Big Star all the way through and literally Nick through his whole career, you know, I'd say his whole career because I was too young, but some of it. Um, but but certainly the last have many years and through to his retirement and everything else. And to be at that Olympics, that was that was a story that you know made you emotional because you'd followed it through and literally, you know, they lived they lived near us when I was growing up. So mm. uh, that those sort of ones yeah, are, are the ones that I tend to tend to get more invested in from that point of view. Definitely. You don't have to be in the horse world for very long to understand that safety is such a big part of our sport. Ride Equisafe offers the broadest selection of safety equipment in North America. Their broad selection really means that they can be a brand diagnostic and really focus on what's best or most appropriate for each individual rider. They don't push certain brands on people. They really do take a look at the individual rider to find which pieces would be the best. If there's a piece of safety equipment that they don't carry, there's usually a very specific reason why. Ride Equisafe is the only company in North America whose primary business priority is keeping riders safe in the saddle. They also offer a selection of boutique equestrian apparel to ensure you're not just safe, but you're also stylish in the saddle. So to get more information, visit their website at rideequisafe.com. That's ride, E-Q-U-I-S-A-F-E.com. I'm sure there's really no such thing as like a typical day for you, but what kind of walk <laughs> me through what like a horse show day looks like for you? Uh, horse show day looks like. I mean, again, you're right. There's not a typical day. It all depends on which show you're doing. Mm-hmm. But um, if we're doing broadcast, um, you know, the, the days of trying. If if you're not doing a class till, you might not be doing a class till late afternoon. So you'll you'll go through all the if you like the the personal care stuff, going off to the gym, trying to do something. Sure. Um, you know, for your health and fitness. Um, and then basically sit down with the start lists, go through them thoroughly, go through your own notes. I will make, I, I my notes look like, and, and actually it's interesting because I, I watch a lot of other sports and talk to a lot of other sports commentators. 
And I take great joy when I see see pictures of them, whether they're Instagram or whatever it is, of their notes, because they're like mine. They've got highlights all over it, or they've got little notes in the column, or, uh, you know, it's not some very perfectly laid out printed sheet. We all tend to think a little bit more organized, but erratically than that. You'll, you'll see a start sheet with my notes all over it. And people that see my my starts list look like, look at those sort of slightly slightly surprised when they see that. Hmm. But I'll, I'll have lots of little notes, I do that. So, but a, a typical day would be going through all of that. And then, yeah, just trying to sort of keep your energy for, for later on in the day. But yeah, t- typical days. And better than something like Wellington is a much better, much some like a Saturday here is busy because I might be arena commentating in the morning, but we're also planning the evening and right. then we might be doing a pre-show. So I'll be writing that out, talking to the director, laying out how that's going to work technically. And then, then going through the guests who are going to be the guests, what am I going to say about them, pulling some little facts on them, trying to find sometimes not the most obvious stuff to talk about. So there'll be a lot of juggling during the day. I might have to, I mean, I, I'm a little bit old school. I, I write lots of things on lots of pieces of paper around me so there'll be lots of pieces of paper around me as I'm trying to <laughs> trying to think that way but but I'll have it all laid out and then by the evening yeah we're we're you know say I'm going to take a Saturday night at Wellington so about sort of five o'clock we might be shooting an opener for the for the show if we're not doing a, a, a full-on pre-show uh if we are doing a full-on pre-show I've gone at about five dashed around the course got the plans you know I'll get a build flat plan from the course designer with all his distances on have a chat with he or she to how they think what they think their distances are going to be and how they think different things will ride go for a walk out on the course try and chat to a few riders as you know as much as you don't want to interrupt them but just get a little bit of an idea of what they're thinking mm-hmm. and then dash up to whichever position I'm supposed to be at and then then everyone can start yelling in my ear um <laughs> while I'm on air and and that's the thing. I think I don't think a lot of people realise until you do those things that and say say we're doing a studio piece that I have. If you've not worked in television, I have a um, a director talking my ear probably the whole time, wow. telling me other things. So you're having a conversation with the people across the table. You're keeping track of your notes, but also somebody's having a separate conversation with you in your ear. <laughs> so um, <laughs> it's 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 good practice for a lot of things in real life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, multitasking um, so, at yeah, its so finest. That, multitasking at its finest and not showing anyone that you're multitasking at the time right. and then yeah through through a grand prix you know i'll have everything laid out on the desk and again we'll have worked out who's who's going to come and join us that day in the evening and 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 just the most of it and i think the best people i've worked with uh, it's all about being organized and just being as organized as you possibly can be and they'll turn up with lots of the same as i will i'll try to anyway mm-hmm. um, i've got lots of pieces of paper but they are they're laid out with with my mental strategy and structure of where I'm headed for that that day. So yeah, you know, you've seen a combination, whatever it is. Yeah, whatever it is. yeah, it works for you. It works for me. Yeah, yeah. doesn't um, always work for everyone else, but it works for me. <laughs> uh, you've seen some, you know, like really top performances and events and experiences that I'm sure can be very emotional to watch. Like, do you ever get like caught mm. up in watching to the point where it's like hard to commentate? And obviously you have, you know, so many people, you know, talking at you, talking to you. Like, how do you, you know, express your emotion watching these rides while also, you know, delivering the facts and, and doing oh, the part that's yeah. your job? I mean, there's there's two I can think of straight off the top of my head. Um, the one I've I've probably repeated a few times was doing was Nick winning in Rio 
with yeah. Big Star. And I was I was actually announcing, so I was the stadium commentator for that one. Wow. Um, but but knowing the process and being an old friend and all that sort of stuff and seeing him. And I remember him getting appearing on the screens in front of me as I'm up in the jury box and we're announcing as myself and, and, and a French French lady that's announcing the, the medals and seeing him crying. Well, I started and we're, right. we've all gone because we're all just emotionally invested. The whole jury box, whether it was technicians, whatever it was, we're all emotionally invested in the whole thing. So we're all, we're all got the tissues out and I'm carrying on. My voice, thankfully, I don't think sounds like I'm I'm doing, but I know I've got tears running through my down my face doing that one. Mm. That was that was a toughie, but it was it was nice. It was it was it was in a good way. Yeah, I think there's a few, there's a few others that have been along the line. I think when again I'm picking on Brits, but there are there are others. Ben, when he won at he won the Global Champions Tour Super Grand Prix on Explosion, mm. and there was all this about moving to a new owner and everybody else. It was all a bit unsure at the time. Um, it was all it was all it was great the way it all worked out, and the fact it had all worked out um fantastically just it was a good sort of fairy tale but i love a fairy tale ending that was right. a good good fairy tale ending that made you emotional you were like how's this all gonna go you know and yeah there's there's been a few there's been a few there's been a few that i would yeah definitely get emotional at because you just wanted to see and sometimes it isn't always those obvious top top people like i say that would be the odd one where you're just going that's really nice for them mm-hmm. that's great for them and 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 you you just see someone that's worked really hard. Um, not that anyone doesn't, but you know what I mean. They've 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 come out and it's maybe not the person you expected to win it, and it's their big day, and you go great. That's that that's what really gets you. And you're trying to put that over as well. Well, while trying not to appear biased, but there are a few who sit there sit there mentally off air. Go, come on, get it done. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> come absolutely. On. We want it to happen for you. It's it's lovely that people certain people win a lot, but it's nice when the, it's not the usual faces sometimes. Yeah. That, that that will means, and I think it's that's the point is if it means something to them, mm-hmm. um, and it will mean something really big to them, and it might be the biggest thing they're ever going to win in their career. Right. That then that that means a lot more, and you 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 hopefully you've invested in that as well. Exactly. You have so much experience, you know, by now with audio and doing interviews and commentating. I've only been in the podcast game for a few years now. Mm-hmm. I'm also going to be headed to Omaha next week for the World Cup finals to interview some riders. Give me some advice. Yeah. What what would you do? <laughs> what would you tell me as going into this and, and the podcast in general? I I think it's uh, it's what you do. I think it's it's the research is the key. It's mm-hmm. the journalistic part of it. Get get make sure you go in prepared. Make sure you've got something on everyone that you want to ask that's maybe not always the obvious thing. Right. I'm, I'm going to flip that back to a little bit of your question before you asked me about interviews. I remember doing an interview with Edwina Tops Alexander when Itoda Chateau retired. And I threw a question at her at the end saying, what would you, what do you think Ito would say to you at the end of, end of the career? And then she, she then got emotional mm-hmm. because you, you'd looked for something that, that was, that was emotional for them. But, but, moving that on to what you're talking about is that it, it's trying to for me it's always trying to ask a question that's not always the obvious question you don't always want it to be you, we've always got to off, ask the obvious you know how did that go blah 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 how are you feeling about your week right. but and especially the ones that maybe are there for the first time or qualified and maybe we're on the edge of qualifying of of what it what it kind of 
journey it's been for them to that point or were they expecting to be here all that sort of stuff that's a little bit more emotionally invested than just you know how did it go definitely um, but but that but the only way you'll know that is to sit and do some research on them and i'm always trying to look for something that i want to be able to say yeah you guys didn't know that and i want to pull that out mm-hmm. and i was i was interviewing someone last week and you know that their, their their journey has been you know they they hadn't always got the resources to do it and all that sort of thing and they, they've got one good horse and that's you know they've had their tough moments with that to be able to bring that story out rather than just skating over the top and going oh you won well that wasn't that nice Mm -hmm. um it was much it was much nicer to have been given background to be able to say that was great and it really means something to you Mm -hmm. and tell me why it really means something to you and how many hours you've worked for this and how tough a journey has been this to get to this point as opposed to just you know if I hadn't done my research we'd have just gone oh that's nice good great off you go yeah Um, and I think if we're going to appeal more you want to appeal within the horse sport but it's nice those stories come out as well that might reach a wider a wider audience than just you know people watching that 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 know the sport inside definitely yeah I think I feel like my goal is to always try to humanize these you know top riders and trainers Mm. and and figures in our sport as much as possible because I think it's so easy to you know just see them at you know who they are at the top of the sport and you know it's um we watch them and you seem you know especially the viewers might seem so removed and and separated Mm. um from that individual and so find I, I always try to find things that one either they don't normally talk about with others I yes in in hundreds of episodes episodes I've had a couple people after after chatting with them saying oh my gosh I've never told that story before and I'm like oh yes (laughs) (laughs) yes that's a win but also yeah just humanizing them and and having them you know they all came from from you know started from the beginning and had to you know work hours and hours and years and years to get to where they are so I think just highlighting those that as much as possible yeah, and I think that's the thing. And, and and as some people that, you know, some of the background gets brought out and some of it isn't, but it doesn't matter whether you're talking to BC Man, McLean Ward, I'm mm-hmm. taking the Americans here, but, you know, Ken Farrington, there's some really good stories in there that probably have never been really explored right. that of how and where they are. And I also want to know when I've seen people preparing for a big championship and you see them going into the zone and you leave them alone at that point, but I want to know afterwards like, what was going through your head. What, mm-hmm. what, you know, come on, what was the, and just, you know, and, and try and delve a bit deeper. Right. Um, Cause you see it in their faces and you see that, see the emotion on it. I mean, I remember going around, I was walking the course in Tokyo for the Olympics and Oliver Tanner was leading and I'm going slightly off course here, but he was walking the course and the look on his face, he was just in, a zone an emotional zone and driven position that I mean I've known the guy for years and he would just walk straight past you and he he was just he was so intense Mm -hmm. in what he was trying to do walking the course to get this right that you you just gave him the space and did all the things that you should do but I've never seen anyone's the intensity on someone's face as I saw on walking the course that day of a like a different level of, of you could see it emotionally you could see the intensity you could see the you know he was just drilling it into himself to get this right but yeah slightly slightly going off topic but yeah (laughs) yeah that's so cool though what would you say is something that you are passionate about in the horse world that you feel like people either don't talk a lot about or don't know that much about 
I think I think we don't. Uh, I, I don't. I think sometimes we we don't go deep enough into their, and it's also always difficult going into a personal background. But mm-hmm. but a lot of that doesn't get always brought out. We we skate across the top, and I think I, you know, I I like a good, and I used to do some of them are doing a bit more of an emotional deep dive into them themselves and the way they think and how they grew up. And like I say, there's, there's a few names in there that I can think of that, that that I think there's a lot more depth than we possibly portray there is. And and we need a longer format sometimes to be able to bring that out. Right. That's always not, that's sort of not so easy sometimes. So I I, I like digging around and, and, and finding what makes people tick. And I, I don't, think we do enough of that i mean people constantly say to me oh you know so much better in the 70s and 80s or whatever it was going okay yeah sure (laughs) um we had you know so many characters it's like there are characters there there's an emotional journeys there but sports changed Mm -hmm. and it doesn't matter whether it's golf or tennis or whatever it is um sports changed in the the way people have their outlook and people you know have perceived but it doesn't mean that the the journey to get there was any easier or any different but if you go delving there there's definitely character and there's definitely emotion in there it, it's it's up to you as a as a, a journalist to be able to go and portray that and portray it in a way that they're they're happy with as well mm-hmm. yeah that's um, a, that's a really good point i think that it's um there and then there's there also there's not many people in the industry that do what you do there's you know a select few and so um you know it's up to you know a small handful of people to try Mm. to capture those stories so it's really cool when you do hear you know new stories that you haven't heard or you know when you google a writer's name and you kind of see the same things kind of regurgitated over and over again but with them when there's something new I think it's so exciting and it 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 lets people in a little bit more of their life and yeah yeah, just to, to understand them a little bit more as a writer and as a professional in the sport yeah, and I th- and I think that's the same for any sport. I think I think yeah. you know we see some of these whether it's humanizing in different ways. It doesn't always have to be emotional. But I mean, you watch the Drive to Survive programs, you watch the ones they've done mm-hmm. golf or tennis, or whatever, and and you start to see people's characters a little bit more. You know, sometimes that's good, sometimes that's bad. People are successful <laughs> sometimes because they're not easy. Right. I, mean, I think you, I think if any any person successful in sport if you really really go into it they're they're not always easy because they're so driven but that's why they're so good Mm -hmm. and it's and it's a real skill and it often comes later in your career when you're able to balance up being that driven person for so many hours a day and then being that a much more normal whether it's family friends whatever person separating the two from that point of view and and that's that becomes a skill but I think that becomes a bit of experience in itself as well but it, and I think that people don't appreciate how, and again, I've talked to people in other sports about this, how much of a roller coaster it is all the time earning your living based on you competing. You know, that it's, right. it's we, all, we all go, oh, so and so is having a you know, bad few weeks. Oh, what a shame. And it's like, or, or you're going, well, you know, things happen. But, but the, the fact that you might go through a long period where that's not happening is like, well, that means that person's not really got any, it's, there's money going out the door, there's there's money not coming in the door, there's, mm-hmm. it's, that's their living, that's how they earn their money. Yeah. Um, I, I'm, I've always said I'm very lucky, I'm, and I've joked with a couple of people before now that, you know, okay, 
you know, as a top rider, you might come home with a much bigger purse than I went to, to the event with, but I got paid every week, right. for plenty of weeks that some people come home when it's, when it's in a minus <laughs> figure. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't mean that as jokingly as I said it, I mean, in a serious way as well, right. you, you then have to work that out. And, and the pressure of that must be phenomenal until you, again, maybe get to a point of your career where you've won a lot and done a lot. And you, you, you've got enough of the security around you, but when you're coming through and you maybe don't have the resources to do it, that mm-hmm. has got to be emotionally and personally very, very difficult. Definitely. Um, you know, so, you know, it's not going back to why my parents probably said, don't do it. Um, <laughs> it, it it's a really, really hard thing to do. Definitely. Which I think, yeah. you know, again, it's something we have to appreciate more. It's just like, oh, so-and-so didn't win this week. Okay, but, you know, are you paying mm-hmm. the bills this week? Well, right. are you making everything else um, happen from that point of view? Yeah, yeah. It makes you understand the the drive and the dedication that much more, for mm. sure. Well, Stephen, thank you so much for taking the time and coming on here and chatting with me amidst your busy schedule. I have looked up to you and your interviewing skills and commentating for years <laughs> now. So it's fun to, to finally talk to you and hearing you at WEF all season long. So it's been so fun chatting with you and I wish you all the best. Pleasure. Thank you very much for asking me. That's very kind of you. Thank you. All right. That is all I have for you today. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you liked what you heard, please take a minute and write a review on iTunes. I would so appreciate it. It helps people like you find the podcast and it helps me get some killer guests. Thank you so much. And I will talk to you next week.